Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Ever wonder why hockey sticks cost so damn much? What makes them so expensive? The carbon? The tooling? Nope, it's the marketing. Sponsoring those pros, buying advertising, it adds up. And you pay for all of it. So the guys at ARC Hockey started ARC to make state-of-the-art sticks that don't cost a car payment. And while their sticks are handmade of a 100% high-quality carbon fiber in the same factories as the big brands, they are bringing them directly to you from the only place you can find them, archhockey.com. No pros, no middlemen, no endorsement contracts to pay for, just guys like you who love hockey. So check them out at archhockey.com. That's A-R-C-Hockey.com. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. Episode 44 tonight, we have the usual suspects in the house. Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our local nerd on staff, our IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how's your mom and them? The all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweetos? And your host tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doctor. Yeah. Very special guest sitting in with us tonight. Another NHL legend, Jordan Tutu. What's up, Jordan? What's up, motherfuckers? Great to be on the air with you guys. That's how you start it off, man. I love it. Thanks for coming on, Jordan. Pleasure, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited uh, to do some good conversations here, guys. Perfect. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say none of us have uh, been up to your uh, your hometown, man. Why don't you tell us a a little bit about, uh, you know, where you come from? how you got into hockey, how you were seen uh, in the first place, and uh, just tell us a little bit about your story. How the fuck did they find you up there? <laughs> well, I grew up in a in a pretty small community up along the Hudson Bay, a little community called Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. Uh, formerly, it was uh, the Northwest Territories, but in uh, April of 1999, the uh, Nunavut became its own uh, own territory. So, um, grew up in Rankin up until I was 14 years old. You know, just played against uh, all my buddies, um, whether it was playing street hockey or at the local arena. Um, yeah, I, I basically was on the ice every day. You know, we have uh, it's winter time, pretty much 10 months out of the year up there. Uh, we got tons of lakes around that. You know, my father or, you know, buddies of ours would uh, clear the clear the snow off the ice and uh, off we went. But, you know, it was uh, pretty unique, uh, to, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think my situation, we, uh, we only would go to, you know, two or three hockey tournaments a year, you know, because the, the only way in and out is to fly. So it costs, costs quite a bit of money to, to fly out. Uh, a team to other communities but every year we'd uh fundraise um the, through the local minor hockey there and um 
made made the trek out and uh i think uh, early in my teen years i started to get noticed as you know i was just a uh, pretty much a human wrecking ball out there <laughs> for sure <laughs> plowing <laughs> over <laughs> plowing over uh other players from other teams and uh i think a lot of heads started to turn and um eventually i made a native uh, hockey team out of Fort Providence, Northwest Territories, which is just a little settlement outside of Yellowknife. Um, they made an all-star team there, and we uh, made a trek down to Edmonton, Alberta, for the national Aboriginal uh, provincials. And um, I, that's pretty much where I got seen by scouts, I guess. And... Uh, Next thing you know it, drafted by the Brandon Wee Kings, and my career took off from there. Uh, oh, I was going to say, the only time I heard the, the term Wee Kings was in the Tragically Hip song, so. Yeah. Yeah, bring it back. It's <laughs> you're, uh, you're a hip yeah, it brings a lot, of, lot, lot of great memories every time I hear that song, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're big hip fans over here. Um, so l- let me ask you, you know, I, I never got to play hockey out on the West Coast um, or in, in Canada that far out there either. But uh, is it a tough league where were you just, uh, uh, you know, just the one guy throwing their body around? Because, I, I mean, every time I see you play, you're in somebody's face. You're knocking somebody on their ass. Uh, if they're looking to fight, you're ready to throw. Um, I mean, is that the league? Is that just how you learned? Are you just, a you know, a tough tough kid what, what's the deal how did you become such a, a scrappy fucker uh, the, the question is you probably weren't tough enough to play all west right <laughs> okay that's fair straight out east here we go that's fair man I'll give you that yeah go. no you know you know what i uh I, I I give a lot of credit to to my brother and all his buddies. Uh, my brother Terrence, who passed away in '02, uh, he was three years older than me. So growing up, I always uh, always wanted to play hockey with him and and all his buddies. And I was always the the guinea pig. So you know they always made me do stupid shit, and uh, <laughs> you know I always had to. Every time I got knocked down, I had to get back up and uh, and keep keep on trucking. And I, you know, I think the, that mentality of um, you know fight or fight fight mode or survival mode, to, to say the least, uh, was instilled in me as a young kid. And um, you know, as I as my career went on, uh, I just you know you either have it or you don't. And, uh, that's something that you know for a smaller guy like me uh was an attribute and um you know gave me 13 years of playing at the highest level and uh you know ultimately you know i tell a lot of these kids it's mind over matter you know the mental toughness is uh plays a huge huge role in uh in having a long career and um you know i i look at a lot of these kids now it's uh you know if it's too hard they just give up and uh and that's one challenge that for me, when I do a lot of my speaking engagements, I, I try and uh, relay the message as, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you get knocked down, you got to get back up and, and keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't see the, the failures of a successful um, athlete, 
but uh, I'll tell you this much: there, guys, you know, fail more often, uh, more often than not. But those, the, the, the strongest ones keep going. Life lesson, right Jordan. There. Lesson. I watched your. Uh, I think most of us watched your documentary, and we know that uh, the reason why you guys are all short up there, so the wind doesn't blow you over. But is there, uh, is there um, a certain player that you look? We we recently talked to Theo Fleury on this podcast, and you know he's a short, scrappy guy like yourself. Is there anybody you looked up to specifically uh, growing up in the NHL that kind of you modeled your game after? Yeah, I think uh, one. For sure, was uh, Wendell Clark. Oh yeah, um, he he wasn't the biggest guy, but he uh, had a heart of a lion. Um, you know, I think that's one player that I I kind of grew up idolizing and, uh, and and you know trying to play the same style. Um, you know, like like I said before, um, I, I'm not the biggest guy, and and one of our tutu models is. Uh, we're not the best, but we're hard to beat. And uh, my 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 oldest uncle, who passed away a few years ago, that that's one line that I'll I'll never forget. You know, the the two two model is we're not the best, but we're hard to beat. There you go. Yeah, like for nobody. Yeah, we're uh we're right next to this uh, reservation called Aquasasni, and we grew up playing against um, a lot of native guys, hockey and lacrosse, and. Um, you know, they were always tough as shit. I don't know if it was part of their culture and how they were brought up and how they were taught to play the game, but they were always scrappy and they would they would knock the shit out of you and they were they were tough kids. And, um, you know, there was recently just an announcer for the Philadelphia Wings, which is a professional indoor league that, you know, said over the loud, loudspeaker during the game, you know, stip, snip the ponytail of a native kid that had a long ponytail. Uh, Lyle Thompson. Yeah. Lyle Thompson. And did you um, experience any kind of, like, I guess, racism or anything like that when you went to the Wheat Kings or in the NHL, or did you have any kind of, you know, bullshit you had to deal with? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, guys, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're kind of an outcast, um, you know, amongst uh, the, the majority of hockey players being, you know, white or black, um, you know, a lot, lot of uh, native athletes are are easy targets. Uh, you know, when when you look down the line and you and you see a lot of racism happening, you often wonder. You know, you look at that individual and 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 think, you know, obviously they're they're facing issues of their own that you know they they haven't dealt with and that's that's how i always looked at it you know you, you can never control what other people say or do and uh and for me i think jealousy plays a huge part in um in a lot of racial uh slurs and and uh you know i get it um there's a lot of chirping going on and everything but when it when it becomes personal uh, you know, that's, that's just not part of the game. And I've experienced that right from minor hockey, uh, playing in the WHL, uh, AHL, NHL, right, right up. And, uh, you know, as professional athletes, you know, that's just something you don't go into, you know, so, or one's personal life or, or heritage. And I think that's just, uh, goes to show that, you know, that individual is, uh, is dealing with issues themselves. So, you know, I, I, 
talk to a lot of young Aboriginal kids, Indigenous kids who face um, racism. Uh, you know, I, I always tell them, you know, it's it's not your fault. You know, be proud of who you are. Be proud of where you come from. Uh, ultimately, um, you, you can't control what others others say or do. Jordan, you you were like fuck them. <laughs> Jordan, you were like one of the NHL's best agitators. Uh, you like to annoy other teammate, uh, other players on the opposite team. Um, who are some of the uh, uh, guys you like to agitate, and uh, who was your first fight, and uh, how did you do? The biggest fucker you knocked out too. I want to know that. <laughs> you for Brashear, didn't you? you I saw you, Yeah, I saw you put a shoulder through Donald Brashear. That was fucking impressive. Yeah, you know what, guys? Uh, most most guys who chirp don't have a set of balls, and for me, I always knew that. You know, you, in order for me to chirp, I got to be able to back it up, and uh, you know, so it's something that I I wasn't too great at doing chirping. You know, I just uh, you know led by example, I guess. I, you know, if you want to chirp me, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have time. Love it. I don't have time to talk. I'm, uh, I'm curious, Jordan, uh, your style is a dying art in this new age fucking NHL. Do you, do you think you could uh, play in today's game or, or what? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I think uh, if I was given the opportunity to play on a regular basis, you know, I, I showed it in juniors. I know it's a different game playing pro, but I, I always, believed in myself that I had that scoring touch or playmaking ability. Uh, but when you're, when you're labeled as a fourth line guy, your whole career, uh, you know, it's tough to get out of that rut. And, um, but that being said, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, 13 years that I had and, um, you know, not a lot of, uh, players can say that, but, um, you know, for me, yeah, I think uh, if I played on a regular basis, a regular shift, it, things would be a lot different. But, you know, I can't control what, uh, you know, coaches do or, or organizations. Uh, you know, for me, I, I knew my role and uh, I knew how to do it well. And you did it who well. Was your, yeah. Who was your first fight? NHL. Uh, guys, I, I've had too many concussions. I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh shit! Remember one? Oh, it might have been. Uh, you guys remember Tom Sestito? I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he was in Columbus, we I think we had a preseason game against Columbus, and I don't. It's 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 on YouTube. There, I fucking came over with a laugh, I think, and next thing you know, they took him off on a stretcher. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, nowadays it's like a hug, hug fest, man. They get in a fight and they just kind of hold each other for about a couple minutes and then they let go and it's over. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jordan, we're, we're only, uh, you know, just a couple years older than you. So, you know, our, it seemed like when we stopped playing, that's when the, you know, all the physical shit died or, or left the game or started leaving the game. Um, did you did you notice a were you playing still when that changed or was it still the physical contact that you know the four of us know? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know for the the first probably 
eight years of my career, um, I think it was still kind of the, the old school mentality where, you know, every team had four or five tough guys, you know, a couple middleweights and, and all that. And uh, <laughs> I think, I think when, as uh, after my eight year, eighth year, that's when I kind of became a little, I had a lot more clarity in my game and, and my mind. That's when I entered rehab and, uh, sobered up and all that and um you know i i think from that point on like probably what 2011 2012 uh you can see the shift happening um and and, you know i I wasn't going out there to to fight out of anger you know i i knew when the right time was to fight and you know kind of picking and choosing how the game is played and and all that. So I think the the first, like I said, the first eight years, it was just a gong show. Like I, I was fighting out of anger and, you know, I had a lot of demons I was dealing with and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, the, the last, I guess, six years of my career, I could really, really see the shift. You know, I, I got to commend you. I, uh, you know, personally, I, I struggled myself with substance abuse. Uh, you know, I won't speak for other guys here, but uh, I, I'm sure they, they have some problems. But uh, I got to say, you know, I, I'm, you know, not that I've ever met you, but I thought it was uh, an impressive story, you know, for a guy who's in the NHL to pull himself out in the middle of a fucking season like that. You know, it's uh, good on you, man, for, for recognizing that uh, you needed help like that and, and getting help. Um yeah, thank you. There's so you know, many, like that being, sorry, go ahead. No, I just was going to say there's there's so many guys that are probably in the same boat that just never got help. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know that being said, it was it was probably yeah the, the hardest decision to make because you know leaving the game that you loved and uh, and you know that that was the hardest decision to kind of leave the game and, and fix myself. But I, I knew deep down that it was the most important decision in my life to save my life and to save my career. Um, I left end of December, um, you know, going, going to rehab, you know, everyone in rehab didn't, I couldn't have conversations with anyone in there because they didn't have a fucking clue about hockey. So, right. you know, kind of <laughs> being, being isolated in a, in a compound um, and not being able to talk hockey or watch hockey was fucking tough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, every day I question myself, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I, you know what I mean? But ultimately you know, it's saved my life. It's given me a new life. Uh, you know, I have a beautiful wife, Jen, and two healthy baby girls, Sienna and Avery. And, you know, people often ask me, what's the greatest gift? And, uh, I, you know, th- those two little ones and Children my wife. And your yeah, family. Yeah, my, my life didn't begin until, uh, you know, I got married and had kids. I was a selfish prick. I used to take my fucking Harley and ride it 120, bobbing and weaving <laughs> in between cars. I had vehicles come up to me and say, boy, you don't give a fuck about your life, do you? And I just <laughs> up yours and gone. 
<laughs> so good for you, man. It's uh, you know, when the party stops and the music fucking gets silent and all the guys that are around you leave, uh, it can be an empty feeling. So I, I just think you know it's important for you to share your story for for other people that you could be affecting. So good on you, man. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, it's like like you guys said earlier. You know. Hundreds of guys deal with uh, issues we know nothing about, and um, you know what? Uh, the, the game of hockey has is like a brotherhood, and uh, you know I thank God for for giving me uh, the the opportunity to be in the game, you know, for that long, and to help me guide my life and 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 teach me a lot of uh, life lessons, and uh, and to be around some great people got to meet a lot of uh tremendous individuals throughout my career and uh yeah it's uh a new life for me and i always you know say i i, I want to change the cycle for my family and start a new one nice so jordy you know when we uh we all leave our hometown and go back to our hometown we got like favorite pizza joints or uh sub shop or something like that what do you what do you do when you go back to your hometown? Is there like a favorite get like a snow cone or something or what kind <laughs> of food? Yeah, what do you hey, like okay. okay. And first of all, my mom would freaking kick your ass if you call me Jordy again. She <laughs> Jordy. Okay, so we got I just gotta I just gotta get that out. If my mom ever hears this, mom, uh, this is for you. <laughs> I'm letting them know. <laughs> it's either Toots or Jordan. Sorry, Mrs. Okay. Tutu. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, you know, I, I get home every every off season. You know, obviously, I'm I'm true to my roots, and it's a place for me to to kind of block everything out and uh, you know get away from my cell phone and uh, get out on the land and do you know get out hunting and fishing with my father with my friends. Um, you know, I think the first thing mom always has is, uh, is a warm plate of uh, caribou caribou meat on the table, all fried up and uh, old school mashed potatoes and cream corn. Nice. That's, yeah. uh, that's the one meal that I always look forward to when I when I first get off the plane. So, um, yeah. But like I said, you know, for a lot of uh, athletes or, or in young individuals when they leave home uh you know they they tend to miss you know their surroundings but you know i always say home's always going to be home guys uh mm -hmm. get out experience the world uh you know for me a lot of my friends uh, always say oh jordan you're so you're so fucking lucky you live this life and you know i don't feel sorry for them they had the opportunity to leave um you know, so it's it's a decision that each indiv individual makes, and uh, you know, for me, um, I made the best of it, and uh, you know, I get to go home, um, spend time with my family and friends, and uh, and have fun. Do you think you'll ever go back and stay? Well, I can, I can, I, you know, I can't say never. I'm never going to go back, but uh, you know. I can't tell you what the future holds, but my wife and I, we, uh, we have a nice little place here in Kelowna. The weather is nice. It's minus <laughs> two. It was minus two today. And I talked to my parents and it was minus 58. 
Holy wow. <laughs> I've only wow. felt yeah. minus 40 before, and, you know, that wasn't fun. Yeah, um, you're I can only, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can only imagine what it's like playing fucking outdoor hockey in, in minus 50. Yeah, you need thick skin. You need yeah. thick skin, brother. Yeah, well, we all yeah, grew up on the that. ice, man. We were—I feel like we we're the yeah, last—the last group that were out in the streets and out on the ponds. Uh, it just—you Ontario boys are a bunch of fucking pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we're not from Ontario. Close enough. We're New Yorkers. Yeah, but anyways, Jordan, <laughs> the, uh, look even up. worse, guys. You guys will never fucking laugh at this. <laughs> hey, it was minus at, twelve here this morning. Thank you. I was gonna say it was like fifteen below. I went out to start the truck this morning. Fifteen, yeah. So, anyways, Jordan, I looked up where you're from on like Google Maps, right? And I'm zooming in, and I'm like, what the fuck? Does everybody like get their own lake there? There's got to be like thousands and thousands of lakes around your your town it was unbelievable i guess i've never really zoomed in on that area of canada but you know that was just like so impressive to see how many bodies of water there was it's you know just pretty much everywhere i didn't realize that yeah so it was part of the culture yeah. fishing and you know pulling absolutely fish out of the uh, you know it's uh you know for for us up there that's that's the life you know hunting and fishing and you know, all the materialistic shit doesn't matter. You know, up there, it's, uh, can you provide for your family? Are you a good hunter? Um, you know, little things like that, which, you know, keeps a lot of individuals grounded. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I love going home because people just, you know, treat me as Jordan, the, the little guy that grew up there, you know, and, yeah, the same uh, and that's yeah. just the way it is. You know? yeah. Simple life. Um, you know, I've had teammates of mine come up there and just, you know, they, they just couldn't believe, uh, you know, the lifestyle up there, how isolated it is and, uh, and, and simple. Right. Um, and that's, what's great about going home. You know, we, we live this lifestyle that's pretty fast. Um, and when I go home, it's, uh, it's, it's my downtime. So talk to us a bit now. What are you doing now, Jordan? What are you doing these days? What's uh, what's driving you? Do you, have, do you have a clothing line still and stuff like that? What's what's going on? Yeah, so right now, obviously, I I get to be home with my two two little ones. Uh, they're both under the age of three years old, so it's uh, it's a task and, we'll and it's a lot of hands itself, So yeah, and it's uh, it's been great. You know, I uh, I'm very Jason grateful Dave. that I get to spend. Yeah, changing diapers all day, every day. And, uh, I'm with you. Know, I, I I'm with you. I wouldn't change it for the world, but um, yeah, you know what? I, uh, I, I'm, you know, the transition for me has been pretty good. You know, obviously, I, I throughout my whole career, I've done a lot of speaking engagements in the indigenous uh, communities uh, regarding, you know, mental health, substance abuse. Uh, suicide prevention, uh, a lot of these issues that I've dealt with personally. Um, so, you know, now I get to go out and, uh, you know, hopefully 
if I can help one or two two people in each community, that's that's a, a win-win for me. And uh, you know, it's I feel that it's it's my time to give back, and uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, more Indigenous uh, Aboriginal kids will start paving the way for for the younger generation. It's awesome. So do you, have, do you have a foundation that you have for the indige- Indigenous kids and stuff like that they work on? Yeah, so we have uh, the Team Tutu Foundation, which um, um, basically goes towards youth at risk, uh, suicide prevention. Um, so it's something that, you know, is uh, near and dear to my heart as I, I lost my brother by suicide uh, in 2002. So, uh, you know, for me to keep his legacy on and, and to... Um, to try and promote healthy living and uh, healthy lifestyles is uh, is important to to me and and to just tell my story, right? Like a lot of these kids who grow up in isolated communities are stuck, and um, you know if I could uh, if they can relate to my story, maybe I'll get them out of that rut. And, uh, so, you know, I'm very grateful that. Uh, everything that I've experienced in my life has uh, led me to where I am today. Just uh, one more thing I didn't touch on. How was it to play for your uh, your country in the World Juniors? Oh, buddy, fuck. It was... Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that tournament in 2003 in Halifax really, I think, put my name out there. Um, so it was uh, uh, an experience that I'll, I'll never forget, you know, to to represent your country in in your home country was um, a highlight of my career um, and something that, you know, I'll hold near and dear to my heart, you know, just to play in front of uh, that electrifying uh, energy. And it's probably, you know, the, the best experience I've ever had, uh, you know, playing hockey. I'm yeah, sure one of my that. native one of my native buddies has your jersey uh, hanging in his house, and uh, I told him you were coming on the show. I didn't realize it at the time, and he was saying how you know you're his favorite player, and um, you know, you're, so you're touching some people up here in the northern New York area. Um, Shout out you know, to our buddy Evan Cree. Yeah, Evan Cree was uh, super excited you were coming on. So there's a lot of people in that um, that culture and that community look up to you as a hockey player, and you know it's good to see, man. And uh, we uh, really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and taking time to talk to us and share your story. It's been fun. Right on. What's up, brother? My my cousin. Hope you're doing well. What's what's his name again? Evan, Evan Cree. Hey, Evan. It's Toots here. What's up, my big man? <laughs> All the best. Keep keep uh, representing that that jersey, brother. But anyways, guys. Hey. Thanks for having me. Uh, look forward. Maybe we can do another one down the road sometime. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been fucking awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, you're a role model. You're, great, you're a great dude, man. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, we're honored to have you on. All right, guys. My pleasure. Thanks again. Those kiddos. Be well. Tell your mom we're sorry, okay? No disrespect. <laughs> oh, no worries. She'll be just fine. Okay. All right. Take All care right, of those girls. Be well. All right. Well, Take care, man. All right. Later, man. Yeah, good episode, Jordan Tutu. Uh, you know, what a great guy. Uh, first person from his uh, his culture to play in the NHL, the, the Inuit culture, and, um, you know, breaking that barrier for, for many other kids coming up through. And, you know, I think that there's still some of that 
bullshit racism that happens, but like he said it well, you know, you just got to be bigger than that person that's got their own issues that are talking shit. And, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So what an awesome hockey player. If you haven't seen some of his highlights, get on YouTube and check it out. And then he just wrecks people. He makes Tom Wilson look like a pussy. I forget who I was talking to, but I was watching his videos and I had to fucking stand up because it just got me, it just got me going, (laughs) man. Just watching him fucking throw. Uh, he's my kind of player. I, I enjoyed watching him play. So yeah, I think we got to get a side by side photo of Mark and Jordan Tutu. I think yeah, really. like you guys, doppelgangers. Yeah. You guys might be twins over there. Maybe I can do some uh, appearances for him out here. On, there you go. Yeah. Ontario pussy East coast as he calls. There you go. <laughs> it's just crazy how, where he's from way up. Like you got, you know, the upper states of Minnesota and Michigan, and then you got Canada, the provinces of Canada, and then he's north of that. You go to North so, Dakota, and you go fucking straight past Canada. North. For, so him to go into the NHL is like one in a million, and he's just a, a really good guy, and to give back to his community like he has, just a stand-up guy, and we always say it on the podcast, hockey guys are just classy stand-up guys, but... Uh, what an awesome guy. He's hilarious. What's up, motherfuckers? Good, good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awesome. awesome. Oh, shit. What a great interview. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope he comes back on. That would be great. Yeah, it would be great. All right, boys. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of our talk on the NHL, and um, we'll go from there. Hey, Mark, what's the story about Arc Hockey? Yeah, good story there, boys. Uh, we just picked up Arc Hockey as an exclusive sponsor of the Blue Line Hockey Club. Arc Hockey makes custom sticks, and they there are three guys out of Rhode Island, and they all had different backgrounds. One had a background in marketing, one had a background in manufacturing, and uh, another, uh, the third guy, I don't remember what he did, but they all had their unique backgrounds, and they were men's league hockey players out in Rhode Island. They were sick of spending $300 on a a premium hockey stick so they they had these contacts to these factories where where the elite sticks are made so they went over to the same, same factories where warrior and bauer and ccm were making these sticks and said hey we want to make our own stick right so they got this premium stick being made at the same factories that these other companies are using and uh they're coming up with a stick for half the price so it's a great opportunity for people that are playing in men's leagues or you know you don't want to spend three dollars for your kid's stick you can get a premium stick from our hockey and uh They've got great stuff, so check them out at archockey.com. That's arc.com. And, uh, Arc. We have a promotional code, don't we, Mark? Yeah, promotional code is Blue Line, spelled out together B L U E L I N E. That'll get you $20 off any Arc 440 series stick. So I think that brings the price down to just over 100 bucks. So get on there and check them out, archockey.com. Great company. That's pretty cheap too, especially for uh, beer league players like myself. I can't afford a fucking two hundred and forty dollars stick that it's just gonna get smashed. So our hockey, you can go on and get a stick with the blue line hockey code, promotional code, whatever. A hundred bucks for a composite stick, no brainer. Yeah, they sent us some sticks too, and I tried them out, guys. They're really nice. So you won't be disappointed by the our hockey sticks. They're good stuff, and uh, we're also gonna be giving one out next podcast. 
So make sure you're listening to our next podcast because we will be giving out an arc hockey stick. So, so make sure you listen to that. So, boys, uh, we had a pretty big day of football yesterday. You want to get into a little bit of the two games that we had last night? What a fucking – I think there was uh, – you know how um, players after games, um, you know, exchange their jerseys? You guys might have seen this, Matty B, or Mark, I don't know. Like in soccer, I've seen that. Well, they do in sports too, but one of the uh, players for the Rams, um, the running back there. Um, Gurley. Gurley, yeah. Gurley. He had it on, he got on social media, him and the refs exchanging jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I oh, mean, man. was that not the worst? How did they miss that? How many refs are, uh, how many umps or refs are on the field at a football game? On the field? To miss that call? I mean, there's probably like eight total, but on the <laughs> field, on the field, uh, four? Five, maybe. Five, yeah. Four, four, five. Yeah, but the thing is, like, there's so many things that are re- reviewable under two minutes in a game, you know, like under two minutes, if it's a, a shady call, or it could change the game. It's automatically re- reviewed. Um you know, maybe shit like that needs to be reviewed because that was a blatant pass interference and that pretty much cost them the game. So everybody's talking about it. Changed, you know, who's talking about the Rams today? They're talking about the bad call the refs made. So it's unfortunate when the when the refs, you know, become part of the game. You know, if you, like uh, Kerry Frazier said when we had him on, you know, if, if nobody talks about him, then he did his job, you know. So exactly. everybody's talking about the refs, both games, not just the New Orleans game, the Pass game was ridiculous too. Yeah, it was. I mean, the f- totally out of the blue just hits him. The ball. I mean, it, the ball was clearly coming to the New Orleans Saints player, and the guy just smoked him. And uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, obviously, flag should have been thrown everywhere. But I mean, even the uh, Kansas City game. Um, that pass, or what was it, roughing the passer on Tom Brady? That was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. That was horrible. Hit him in the chest with his, with his hand. Like, right, right. Jesus. I know he's 40, but come on. But, I mean, the refs did have, like, some questionable calls. They called in a punt that was, uh, you know, did he touch the ball? Didn't he touch the ball? You know, that was kind of crazy. Then. You know, unfortunately, they had that interception where the guy was offside. So, I mean, that was that was a good call by the refs, but that was a game changer. Um, but that that um that punt that you know they say it didn't touch him. I mean, I don't think there was conclusive evidence that it did not touch him. Like that could have touched the like a thread on his glove. And and if and if that would have happened in New England, um, that would have been. You know, it would have stayed. So I don't know. Do you think? I don't know. What do you guys think about that call? I mean, what I saw personally was from one. I mean, they have multiple angles. The technology shouldn't get any call wrong at this point ever. Really? One angle, it looks like it may have grazed the thumb. Then they showed the other angle. I didn't see anything, but it's how the call is called in, on the field. So yeah, right. If they call, you know, that he touched it, they've got to have that one hundred percent evidence that. It, wasn't touched i don't think it was conclusive enough to to overturn that personally do i think he touched it no i don't but i don't think it was conclusive based on the rule and how it's called on the field they've got to adjust a lot of things um going back to what you said pat 
Sean Payton's on one of the committees. He said he's going to address it. Um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of things to address. Another terrible call that we just touched on. Um, I mean, hit to the helmet and pass interference. The side yeah. judge's job is to be on the sideline watching that play. What's the guy doing? You know, there's no excuse for that. Um, and I'm sure he'll be reprimanded uh, for it. I forgot it was helmet to helmet too. Oh, he blasted the guy. And and do you guys think it's almost like two teams in the Super Bowl that pretty much shouldn't be in the Super Bowl? Could you say that? <laughs> almost. Yeah, pretty- it's debatable. You could certainly. Well, I mean, the the New England one. I mean, Tom Brady is just Tom Brady. I mean, that that freaking guy just wins games in the fourth quarter. I mean, it just pissed me off because I had money on the Chiefs and I had money on New Orleans. <laughs> I saw fucking games. I saw a stat. It was like seventy-two and one when he has uh, fourteen points going into halftime. So the guy never loses with a with a lead. Unreal. Yeah, when they uh, when Kansas scored that uh, touchdown and there was what two minutes left, I said there's still plenty of time for good old Mister Brady. You know, the other thing that's breaking the interwebs right now is uh, Tony Romo's commentation. You know, whether he did a good job or whether he did a great job, everybody is saying he, you know, was a wizard on there, walking everybody through the game. And I like him. I, I I mean, well, for me, I'm just not surprised, right? You know, this guy is an intelligent guy. He's a quarterback. He knows, uh, you know, the different play structures, the different packages that the defense are setting up. So for him to be making those calls, I, I think, is a no-brainer. Um, and he, he did very good at it uh, last let's, night. Let's, let's get the opposite spectrum. Go ahead, Manny. Who doesn't like uh, it? <laughs> I think that Tony Romo, obviously, he has experience in the NFL. Um you know, he knows what he's talking about. Clearly, he can see plays developing, things of that nature. He called the Gronk play. I mean, he nailed that one, and that was probably the play of the game. Yeah, I just needs to work on his presentation, but his knowledge is there for sure. He called the Gronk play twice, actually. He, you know, it was third and long, two different times. He said, oh, look for Gronk at the top of the screen here. They're, you know, Tom Brady has got him one-on-one on the outside. You know, they need to go to Gronk here. And both times he called that, they went to Gronk, and he made the, he made the catch. But... The other thing with that, you know, just, you know, Tony Romo, is his, as a quarterback going up to the line and seeing that stuff, seeing where the defense is lining up, I mean, it was kind of a cool perspective to hear him calling that stuff out, like, oh, look at Gronk up here, or, you know, you know, the defense is in this, and the safety's not covering here, you got one-on-one coverage, whatever it was. Um, it was kind of cool to see, because sometimes, like Jim Nancer, um, you know, some of the other guys that haven't been in that you know, position before, don't see it like he does. So I think it, you know, sometimes I, I can do without him, but he did have some pretty good insights. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, who who are some of the guys that he uh, has taken their place back in the day? I mean, there's been so many people that gone through there, so I think he's doing pretty well. Compared I, mean, I like to- him better than Chris Collinsworth. I mean, um, I think he does a good job. I like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. I think they do a good job together. They're probably the best out there in my opinion Troy Aikman is, is get another quarterback out. though right exactly <laughs> Troy Aikman doesn't really try to break it down as much I think as Romo gets more involved and tries to like almost predict what's happening where Troy Aikman just kind of calls it as it is so so who does every let's go around the horn who do you guys think should be in the Super Bowl go ahead Matt we'll start with you uh, who do I think who do I want who do I think 
Who do you think should be in the Super Bowl since all this is in the media and on the sports center because gotcha. of the refs? Based off watching the games, I, I mean, no doubt the Saints should be. Yeah, uh, th- that was a, that was an atrocious call. Um, they were going to kill the clock. Uh, you know, wind it all the way down, kick a chip field goal, win the game. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Lots of times you can say this was going to happen. That was going to happen. Yeah. Um, as far as the Kansas City New England game. It's tough to have that many questionable calls. Granted, the rules are shady. They're not that clear, and there's so much uh, wiggle room, if you will, on those. Um, but New England to get every single break, you know, I mean, I think after the first three, there was a comment, uh, either Ro- probably Romo, you know, they got there was three calls. Romo said that uh, New England got all three of them, and then the next kind of iffy, iffy call Kansas City got, but it really didn't mean that much. So it was almost like the damage was done at that point. I would have liked to have seen Kansas City. Um, if New England does happen to pull it out, um, you know, I hope Tom Brady rides off into the sunset like Peyton Manning. <laughs> I, I feel bad he, for Drew Brees. I don't think they're going to get back again. They've no. had a couple of chances the last few years, tough breaks. I think last year, you know, it was hard to swallow for them. I wasn't the locker room. Obviously, I think it was hard to swallow for them, but they got beat on a play. This year they got beat by a ref, and I mean I can't even imagine that level of competition, that much on the line, and to go out like that—it's—it's it's got to be a tough pill to swallow. So that that close each time, absolutely. So I would I would say that uh, the Saints should have been in without a doubt, and honestly a toss up on New England Kansas City. My heart was for Kansas City, but that's the way the game goes. That's the way the ball bounces. So I actually think it's. Totally opposite of every team that's in the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs should be there, and I think uh, that New Orleans should be there, all because of the refs. Yeah, I mean, the for me, it's I see that the, the New England was it was an easy one, right? They they should have uh, they should have won that game. You know, either we're gonna be on the one yard line or whatever first down. Um, on the other hand, uh, I was rooting for the Chiefs. I had money on the Chiefs, but um, you know. <laughs> I, I, my opinion is is the Chiefs' defense isn't good enough to be in the Super Bowl, and you know to let Tom Brady rock, walk down the field that many times at the end of the game just shows that they weren't ready for the championship game. And you know what boggles my mind is how these teams can play tough defense for three quarters, and then they get to the fourth and they forget what they're doing, and it's just like ten yards, ten yards, ten yards prevent. I mean, play the ball, man. Like play up on your guy. Don't give him the extra two yards off the ball to you know, make a catch, like play like you did in the first quarter. And uh, I hate it when teams go into that prevent bullshit, because even if you give them 10 yards a, a, a play, so it takes them nine nine plays to score. I mean, you're trying not to give up that one big play by playing prevent, but at the end you gave up seven plays and they scored anyway. So I think that's bullshit um, as far as the defensive corner. They should have played that a little differently. And I think the Pats deserve to win just because – you know, they, they outplayed the Kansas City defense in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me jump in real quick. What I would say to that is, you know, Kansas City's defense has played well this year at times. But if you look at the games they played well in playing, you know, 500 and above competition, it was always when Kansas City was up by 20 points. So the other team is just, you know, bombing it. So you can blitz. You can jump routes. You know, you can take those chances. And a lot of times they paid off because they knew the other team had to take those chances. It's not like it was a tie game and you're doing those same, you know, actions. So, yes, I'd agree with that 100%, Mark. You're dead on there. So one of the things I told D-Train, big Kansas City uh, fan, back when they had that Monday night game and it went to 
what was it, like 100 points or something were scored in that game. Yeah. And, you know, everybody was touting how good the Chiefs were. You know, even though they lost the game. And the thing that I said to him was, you know, they played played really well, but, you know, what do you think about your defense? You know, you gave up 50 points or something. You know, do you think you can – how far do you can, can you go in the playoffs by giving up 50 points? So, you know, that was kind of my thoughts early in the year too. You know, that defense – needs to learn how to win games because defense wins championships. Well, let's just say Kansas City will be in the uh, talks for a couple of years with that quarterback. Rob, you have anything to say on that, or you got interesting? No, I answer? don't. I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> we said it all for you? Well, yeah. I mean, what, what more can I say? Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, guys. They got to get rid of that coin toss because at, when you're in the, when you're playing in the AFC Championship, NFC Championship, or any round of the playoffs, you're already a solid team, and you can put up points, you can score. You win that flip, it, it's basically game over. You know, it, it really is, unless your team's notorious for defense. And you saw Chicago Bears; they're a defensive team. That's what held them along all year, and they couldn't do it either with their defense. So, just you know, flip the coin and call it there. Whoever gets a coin, game over. All right. Yeah, that's kind I'm of. I'm with you, though. I hear you, Maddie. I, you know, sometimes yeah. it's good to take from the lower leagues. In college, you know, each team gets a chance. You know, so I don't think that's a bad rule. If one team scores a touchdown, the other team, I believe, still gets a chance. Maybe it's just a field goal. Don't quote me on it, but you know, yeah. Yeah, both, both teams need the ball. Both teams. I mean, is it fair to say that if Kansas City won the flip, they'd be in the Super Bowl right now? I think it is. Yeah. Lots of things well, to review this summer. Well, we got two weeks before we need to talk football again, but uh, I'm sure the rest will be talked about for the next two weeks. So, yeah. Um, until then, we have a little bit of hockey to talk about. Uh, you know, we have the All Star break coming up here and well, this week coming up. So, but coming in, we've had a, some uh, some definitely some good hockey being played. And one of the teams that we haven't talked about, I think D Train mentioned it a little bit, is the the Islanders have started to come on. Um, they're first in the Metro right now, and they've won their last five games. So out of their last five games, they've outscored their opponent 16 goals to three. So yeah. they're uh, playing pretty well. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're on a five-game win streak. Um, yeah, and you're right. Derek was talking about it. That's a team that's, uh, you know, you got to – they weren't on the radar most of the year, but now they are, and – you know, kudos to Trotz out there, who's uh, the head coach, you know, won a Stanley Cup with Washington last year. He, they let him go, and Islanders picked him up, and uh, it was a big pickup. It's almost a bigger pickup than some of the players. I mean, they lost Tavares to the Maple Leafs, and they're doing pretty well with that big loss. Like, everyone thought, you know, when Tavares was off to Toronto that they were just going to just be a shitty yeah. team. So yeah. they're right the goalie, uh, Robin Lehner, has been on fire lately. So that's been a big. Uh, I mean, he's, they've only let up three goals in the last five games. So he's he had a, a shutout his last game, right? Yep, I think he's had two shutouts in those last five games. Um, Trotz also went back and and pulled out a win in in Washington this week. So Ooh, that's uh, a big one, huh? Yeah, I guess he was kind of emotional. They did a little uh, ceremony for him coming back and. Yeah, a little I mean, about it. I mean, you got Matthew Barzell. I mean, he won the uh, Calder Cup last year, uh, best rookie in the league. Um, he's got 44 points this year, 13 right now, 13 goals and 31 assists. I mean, he leads the team in points, 44. And you got Anders Lee, 
Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, Jordan Eberle, um, you know, so they got some good guys on there and they got, they're, they're producing points. Like I said, they're like plus 29 or plus something like that. Um, goal differential. So the Islanders, we could see them in the playoffs, go deep in the playoffs. Yeah. First in the Metro right now. So another, uh, big scoring game. I think it was last night was a Blackhawks and the caps eight to five, the Blackhawks beat the caps. So another shootout that we've been talking about the goal scoring all year and, you know, another 12 goal game and Taze and Kane both had five points. Uh, Taze had three goals, two assists and Kane had three goals, two assists, you know, five goals from two or five points from two guys. So 10, 10 times happened in uh, franchise history for the, for the Hawks. So those two guys are definitely clicking and uh, I don't know about the Blackhawks this year, but they've been playing well lately. 13 goals scored in that game. 13 goals in an NHL hockey game. Eight to five Blackhawks. It's crazy. And the in the Capitals, all the all five goals were scored by defensemen. Really? Wow. <laughs> That's a new age defenseman, man. We were talking about that in the locker room, and some of the guys were saying, you know, I don't know if I like that. I like the two one game. You know, a good tight game, couple fights maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, the, they were like, uh, seven to five, uh, eight to five game, you know, goals. It's, uh, just, you know, it's different for us that, uh, didn't grow up watching all the, all the goals. Yeah. I mean, at what point does it get boring? You know, um, it's like a baseball game, you know, you're interested in the first three innings and then you're socializing with your boys. Still up 13 times to cheer. It's like, uh, <laughs> Well, that's the point, too. You know, when you would uh, watch a hockey game, you'd be still fired up over one goal, right? That's kind of similar to a soccer game. You know how fired up they get when they score a goal because they might be one. Might not see it for three years. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, you know, it used to be one nothing, two one. And when a goal was scored, people were freaking out because it might have been one when they scored. So things have changed a little bit there. Um, Vancouver got Pedersen back. Elias Pedersen came back after being out for five games. I think he had a. Uh, assist in his goal and in his uh, first game back. So that'll be interesting. They're they're just on the you know they're they're battling in third for the wild card right now. You know out out west, uh, I saw some movement from my predictions in the beginning. Calgary sitting up front. San Jose has fought to the the second Pacific. Vegas is sitting in third. Um, and then on the central side of the Western Conference, Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota, you know, so, you know, there's some good hockey going on in the West right now. Yeah, Minnesota just won, so they, they're going to get another two points. So um, Now, the teams fighting to get into the playoffs for that would be Vancouver, Anaheim, Edmonton, Arizona. So, you know, the, those four teams right there, you know, there's, they're coming on strong. Clayton Keller is pulling Arizona up right now. You know, obviously the Edmonton, you, you could talk about uh, McDavid and that, I, I can't even say his name, but, um, you know, Anaheim went through a, a 10 or 12 game losing streak and they're battling back in. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, a lot of talk about Clayton Keller these days too. He had another nice goal last night and um, he's been on fire for the Oats and he's going to be in the All-Star game this week. Yeah, the uh, the ba battle of Alberta wasn't as bad as I thought. I thought there would be some more fights. Um, 
January 19th, Calgary and Edmonton played. I thought for sure there's going to be some fights, but uh didn't happen. Calgary won that game. Um, you know, another loss for Edmonton. I don't know what Edmonton's going to do. They fired their coach, brought in Ken Hitchcock. Still, you know, they're not doing anything at all. I mean, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, minus 18 goal differential. Um, I don't know what, what the what the solution is out there in Edmonton. I mean, they have... Well, they want to get rid of the GM. You can you can tell they're calling for him right now. Yeah, well, he'll be out. He'll be out soon. I mean, Tampa Bay is just still rolling. I mean, they played a big game this week against San Jose, another good team. They ended up beating San Jose. I mean, who's going to be able to knock them off? They got seventy six points. They're running away with it with the East, and um, like you said, Pat, the goal differentials they're plus fifty nine. I mean, they're just crushing people. So, I mean, they've only lost 10 games all year. Five, They lost five games on the road and five games at home. So, I mean, it's not like they're winning at home or winning away. They're winning everywhere. You know, they've lost, uh, I mean, they've lost five at home, and they've lost five away, and they've tied two away. So, I mean, they're, they're just on top of their game right now. they got good goaltending, uh, great defense, and a lot of powerhouses on the offense. So, they're going to, I mean, I can't see, if they can't get to the Stanley Cup this year, which is, you know, the hardest trophy to win, they say. So you can't, you know, just guarantee a win there. But, I mean, I, I don't know how you can count them out. Did you guys see uh, Marty St. Louis was named special teams consultant with the Blue Jackets? Um, Tort, Tortorella, coach, you know, coach yeah. down in Tampa, um, really liked Marty St. Louis. And so he uh, brought him on to the Blue Jackets to, uh, you know, as a special team consultant, which is pretty cool. Martin St. Louis pretty stand-up guy. Just, just got in the Hall of Fame this year. Just got into the Hall of Fame, yep. So that'll be pretty cool. I did see a thing where they were talking about the, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Weeks from NHL Network, former goalie. Yeah. Talking about his top five goalies right now. And they had Dubnik as a, uh, as the fifth goalie on there, which was kind of surprised, but he has been playing pretty well lately. Um, they had Dubnik, and then they had Pekarene at four, and then they had uh, Freddie Anderson at five. And the funny thing about that is, I guess, like, Austin Matthews and some of the guys call him uh, Fred X because he always delivers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> before. Fred X. So they had him at, at number, uh, number three and John Gibson for Anaheim at two, and then Pat's hard on for the flower and number one. So that's uh, that's where he sees the goalies, the top five goalies in the league right now. And I don't think it's based on, uh, you know, their save percentages. I think it's just who he thinks the top five are at this point in time. So that's going to help those those five teams having hot goalies. Speaking of the all-star game, I see Eric Carlson got hurt, lower body injury. Um, he's out the next two games. And uh, he's going to miss the uh, Honda NHL All-Star game. So uh, he's been on fire, too. I think he had this, like um, 47 points this season already. Three goals, 40 assists. So that's pretty big. Plus he had like a seven or ten game point streak. So it's tough to lose him. But he's uh, he's turning it on out there in San Jose finally. He, when he first got out there, you know, from Ottawa, um, he didn't do much at all, but uh, he's been he's getting comfortable and uh, he's turning it on. Another team we uh, 
talk about real quick is the, the Maple Leafs and you know they've got a pretty good team but they've they've struggled as of late and they've lost uh, three of the last seven or they of the last 10 games they're they're three and seven so that's not very good for the Leafs they've been struggling and Austin Matthews hasn't scored in seven games so that tells you if uh, number 34 is not putting the puck in the back of the net the Leafs are struggling a little bit so he needs to get back on fire for the Leafs for them to start winning games and yeah, you know, I, I think he will. I mean, you can't score all season long, right? You have these little droughts and stuff. Yeah, that's definitely contributed to the to the Leafs' record over the last ten games. And it kind of sucks for the Leafs too, because Anderson was hurt, the goalie, for a while. He was out seven games, and uh, the front line, front top two lines are on fire. And then he comes back, and now they're on a drought. But you're right, Mark. It goes spurts on and off. So. Give them another two weeks, and those boys will be putting the puck in the net. Yeah, get some rest here for the All Star game. I think that some of these guys need a little break. You know, they've been playing, yeah. you know, night in, night out, traveling. I mean, just to travel when they go on their road streaks. I mean, that's a that's got to put a toll on them. Just traveling all around. Yeah, they get done their games. You know, at like ten, eleven o'clock at night, take a shower, board the uh, charter flight. And they go on to their, you know, it might be West Coast to East Coast. They get in at 5.30 in the morning, check into the hotel, fall asleep for a couple hours, get up and go to your skate, and then go back and take another nap and get up and play the game and travel back home or travel back to the East Coast. I mean, and then most of them are banged up. Most of them are hurt right now that don't even, uh, you know, disclose it or, you know, show it or anything, you know. So it's a tough sport far into the season there's been players you know that have been hurt a couple times that have gone in and out you know, it's, you're, you're banged up this far into the season we've, we've turned into the new year you're coming into playoffs uh i'd be surprised playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> there's guys playing banged up right now and if you look at it you look at a guy like uh fair for minnesota who's out right now and he was a fourth liner what happens when he comes back? Like, is his spot filled? I mean, they had, they've made some changes over the time since he's got hurt, and I don't see his spot available. I mean, maybe you do bat, but, you know, these third, fourth liners, you go out hurt, you know, he's decided to not play through some pain. Who fills your spot? That person has a good game. You might not have that spot when you come back. So I think some of these guys have that in the back of their minds, like, fuck, I need to stay in the lineup. I'm third, fourth line. I need to keep my spot, you know. Take some tramadol and head out there. <laughs> What's the those shots the Russians give you? Fuck it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, these third and fourth line guys are so hungry to play, hungry for ice time. You know, they're going to maximize their opportunities. So, yep, yep. It's yep. All about yeah. the money. The next guy will step up and and fill that gap. Next yeah, man up has become about. the new saying for sure. Yeah. What do you think about Aberg and Rask, the additions to Minnesota, playing with Parisi? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't see. I didn't. I haven't seen too much production from them. Um, you know, they just kind of filling in. Uh, they're still new, getting comfortable. But um, I don't know about that trade. Nino Ninerider went to uh, Carolina, and then they got uh, um, was it Rass that came over? Victor. Or and uh, it was kind of a wash trade. I don't see too much, too much different. But I see Nino scored a goal, got an assist, yeah. so. Two, yeah, yeah, two goals last night. Uh, they won seven to four, so there's a lot of goals scored. But um, Nino Niederreiter did have two goals last night. Rob mentioned that, and 
that was his uh, 500th game in the league. So I didn't realize he was in the league that long. Oh, me either. Yeah. You know, still fairly young. Got 500 games under his belt. So if you've played 500 games, you're, you produce something to stay in the light up that long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's not like he's been in the league 10 years. So get that many games in is saying something. But, you know, good for him. I mean, sometimes it just takes a change for these guys. You know, they need different environment, different line mates. Um, some confidence, you know, because he got bumped down to the fourth line by the time he got traded. So, you know, yeah. that can't help your confidence much. So we got, uh, let's see, we got Pittsburgh still right up top with uh, Montreal. Montreal's been hanging on there all year. I mean, they've had some ups and downs, and um, you know, Carey Price was out for a while, but, you know, he's always a really good goaltender. And to see them where they are, I mean, where they're, you know, the top of the wild card right now with 59 points. It, it, I'm surprised that they're ahead of Pittsburgh and Buffalo and some of these other teams, which, I, you know, when I look at it, the overall picture, you know, I don't see the Habs being up there. But when you look at the, the standings, they're still there. You know, Max yeah. Domi's been producing. And been doing you don't right. hear too much about them. I mean, they stay low-key, right? They're not in the headlines a lot. But, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they're right up there, too. Number Their goal one differential is only four, plus yeah. four, and Pittsburgh's just one point behind them. They got a plus twenty-three. So, I mean, that just goes to show they're winning some close games. You know, they're not blowing teams out by any means, but they're staying in the they're staying in the game and they're and they're pulling them out. You know, and when you got a goaltender like Price, you can do that. Yeah, twenty-seven and eighteen, fifty-nine points. So. They're right in there too. They're they're another team like uh, the Islanders that are staying under the radar, but uh, when you play them, you got to show up. We still have uh, Maddie on here. We do. What's going on with the old Syracuse hoops and college hoops? Oh, what a win for Syracuse the other night in the uh, uh, in Durham, right? In Durham, there you go. Thank you for in that. Durham. Yeah. First time they've lost, I think, in what seventy games, I think, something like that. Wow, not not just you know ever there, but it was there was some stat I forgot what it was. Pardon me for that, but maybe like after having a ten point lead at halftime or something like that. But it was like seventy and one, absolutely a great game. Should have won it in regulation. Uh, took it to overtime and pulled it off. So a win's a win. Go Cubs! I see the the game where uh, Duke's coming to Syracuse. The ticket sales have like you know gone through the roof and I guess the cheapest tickets like 70 bucks which are the ones you probably can barely see the game and you know in the dome anyway you're like that you're like you know football field away and then uh the most expensive seats are up to five grand I saw three like two months ago I, I was shocked I was absolutely shocked the good thing about those uh, nosebleed seats it feels like you had seven beers so save your money on your beers <laughs> I actually saw today on Twitter the rate Right near the court or whatever, seven thousand dollars, and then you add in all the taxes and fees and everything, and it's like eight eight thousand five hundred dollars for a college basketball game. I mean, that's why these collegiate athletes think they should be paid. There's so much money, so much revenue being generated, and they have a point, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just some teams, right? So it's like, okay, we're not going to pay the lacrosse players, we're not going to pay the swim team. You know, so they're not generating the revenue. But when you talk about big time football, I mean, you got you know, stadiums holding 100,000 people and these basketball teams are, you know, they're 20, 25,000 people, dome up to 30, 40, however many they fit in there. But, uh, 
they play a lot more games in football, you know. So even though they don't have stadiums as big, they're playing four or five times the games, you know. So they're generating just as much money as these uh, football teams, plus all the TV contracts. So, I mean, it's a multi, multi-million dollar. What's going on in uh, the NBA, Maddie? Is LeBron back? He was out for a little bit. I haven't been following too much in the NBA. I mean, I haven't either. Uh, I know there's a push for him a little bit. Um, you know, the Lakers are terrible without him. They've got some young guns that score well. Of course, it's basketball. Anybody can score points, but they can't pull off wins, and they need the closer, and LeBron is that. So he's the court facilitator, um, but, you know, risking a further injury. You know, you don't want to you don't want to uh, push him back too early and risk the season, risk the next season, et cetera, et cetera. But also you have to do analytics. And if you're that far out of the playoffs, you got to get him back. Playoffs. playoffs. I see, I see uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Is that correct? He plays for uh, L.A. now. Boogie Cousins. He's playing for um, the – what are they? The, the fuck's that? Golden State Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Golden State Warriors. they need another stud, right? I mean, how <laughs> – What's their cap space? I mean, they must be – some of these players must be taking a decrease in pay to get – it's an all-star team, right? That is an all-star team. They have four all-stars on the team. Boogie Cousins would definitely be the fifth if he was playing all season long. I think the fascinating thing about that, and it wouldn't matter what the sport was, when you have that many studs on your team, to get the coach, to get the team to mesh that well is fantastic. Going back to the Islanders head coach, you know, with the 16 goals – uh, four, three against. They went into Washington and won. You know, as a player, you get up against your ex-team. When a coach can get you up to go against your ex-team, that's a good coach. You know, that's why they chase after these coaches that have this experience. There's a lot with that experience. There's a lot with winning a Stanley Cup. There's a lot with winning a national championship. Excuse me. Steve Kerr's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, kudos to him for having this many star athletes and getting them all to buy in you know, to, to one system. And it's all about winning there. They just want to win. That's all it is. So last brothers, it's all it is. I mean, doesn't the cap come into play here? I mean, it's not like, it's like any other professional sport. How can basketball seem to have the same teams win all the time? I mean, is it because the cap's so big that they can just afford to pay, pay these well, guys? But, I think Kevin Garnett, Matt, correct me. I think he took a, a significant pay decrease. Didn't he to go play for the golden state? Well, Kevin Durant did, yeah. A lot of these guys are trying to max out their contracts. But, I mean, Jesus, when you're making $30 million a year, do you really need 35 You, know, <laughs> yeah. you want to win or you want to lose? Yeah. So, and everybody's that's chasing, chasing MJ. Yeah, that's what they're chasing. Yeah, so it looks like we got a pretty good, solid roundup from the, the sports world, winter sports anyway. Um, you know, we'll have a little bit of what's going on. We'll talk about some of the all-star fiascos that they have fastest player and all that kind of good stuff um on the upcoming podcast pat you want to give a little shout out on who's coming on the show coming up next yeah we got uh next week patrick elliott coming on he used to play for the uh um new jersey devils new jersey devils for a little while so he's going to come on and talk with us and then we got uh this guy named Kwame coming on in the following podcast. He uh, made a video called Soul on Ice, um, just pretty much talking about black guys breaking in the color barrier in the NHL. Um, you can check that video out on YouTube. He's going to come on and talk to us about that. Then we have George LaRock coming on, one of the big uh, big guys in the NHL, retired, played for Montreal, Pittsburgh. 
um, a lot of NHL teams. He's going to come on and talk to us a little bit about uh, old school hockey, fighting. Um, you know, fighting's kind of getting out of the league. So we'd like to get his perspective on uh, on that. So we've got a lot of good uh, interviews coming up. Um, pretty excited, actually, to speak with George LaRock. Yeah, we should have a pretty funny one coming on with the On the Bench boys. If you haven't seen them yet, check out uh, On the Bench on YouTube. Uh, they're pretty popular. They're on the NHL Network and um, pretty funny skits they have. So check them out. We'll have them on in a couple of weeks, I think the middle of February. So so we're inter- interviews coming up and uh, we've got a lot of hockey left to play and we're going to be getting into the second half of the season. So all these two points are going to add up and some of these teams, you know, like you look at the Minnesota Wild, they're going to be kicking themselves in the ass when they lost in Philly, when they lost to the Wings. You know, it seems like they're beating the teams that have good records and struggling against the teams that don't. So playing to their level, playing to the level. And, you know, it's just you got to win those games. You got to win those uh, games against the teams on the bottom of the standings, because, you know, come another month from now, you're going to be wishing you had those two points. So uh, hopefully they can play up to their standard every night and not play down to whoever they're playing. And there's a couple teams in the, in the league are in that same boat. So it should be interesting the next uh, couple months and can't wait for the playoffs to start for sure. So our cocky, get onto our cocky.com and get your cheap hockey stick, composite hockey sticks. Also two, four hockey, hockey apparel company. Um, you can get on and put the blue line hockey code in there and get 15% off your entire order. Um, same thing with um, um, our cocky and uh, we're going to be giving away a lot of free stuff too free sticks free apparel free autographs so um, just keep listening and listen for the code words all right guys great interview tonight with jordan tutu and uh, can't wait to get into the next interview next week with uh, eliak so until next time keep your stick on the ice see ya oh doctor Keep your head up. Fredo!